All right. Well, guys, welcome back to the 27th episode of the Untold Gems podcast. We are here with a digital creator. Her name's Aaliyah. I'll let you introduce yourself quickly. Okay. Hello, everyone. My name is Aaliyah. And yes, I am a digital creator. Um, and I also work in public relations. So I kind of balance the two in my lifestyle. But yeah, that's just a little gist about me. <laughs> cool. So you do YouTube, you do like you're active on Instagram and um, you you work full-time or part-time? I actually work full-time, which is a little bit new wow. for me. So yeah, a little bit of everything. But to be honest, it's been this way for like, I guess the last like four years. So I feel like I've definitely have gone through the motion of, you know, getting used to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so so we'll start with the, the basics. Like what would you say is your main... Side hustle. Do you say you're more of a YouTuber or you're more of like a content creator in general? Yeah, I would say it's funny because um, my platform, I guess, really started on YouTube. I was a little bit shyer on Instagram and then eventually like all the other social apps started to emerge. But um, I do kind of consider myself more of a content creator just because I do not post um, on YouTube as I used to. Mm. And, you know, life has changed so much with you know, I guess we'll get into that, but just with, in terms of short-term content and like video uh, snippets and sure. just getting to the point that, you know, videos that are longer than like five minutes are just so hard for people to watch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> People's like, um, what's it called? Attention span. Yeah. Attention yeah, span. Yeah. Our attention span is like fried. Like none of us can it's watch horrible. long videos anymore. It's crazy. No, right? No, that's you like, know, honestly, funny. that's like for me. These to see the attention span used to be seven seconds now because of TikTok, there's three seconds. You oh my seconds god, to get a out you have three seconds. Time. You do. If you don't catch me in three seconds, I'm swiping. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. That's it's crazy. crazy. Even seven seconds is short. So imagine three seconds like that's insane. Yeah, and it's not even that too, but it's also just like the the aesthetic, the music, yeah. the 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 tone. If you realize, like a lot of the darkness is like coming back in videos. Yeah, just, for sure. We were, just, we were just talking about that. <laughs> yeah, now it's like everything is so dark. So it's like, exposure. like you yeah. know, yeah, no exposure. Uh, so, so basically, um, your like, I think YouTube is like one of the hardest things anyone can do, and to be a consistent YouTuber, like to do it full time and to have videos every day, every week is like mm-hmm. a crazy thing so what got you into youtube like what made you want to share your life with people online and how difficult was it truly to like stay consistent yeah um i would say that i actually started at a really good time so i started at about um i would say ending 2018 maybe early 2019 um and i actually started off very shy i didn't even post anything i had about maybe four videos uploaded before I told anybody because I'm the type of person mm. where like I want to kind of see if this is for me before I like I announce anything yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure but you know like you just don't know if you want to like really show yourself like that but I think it was just like one video I made on Instagram that did really well and then I kind of got the confidence um so I would post probably like two times a week three times a week and I did that for like three years like, That's I would amazing. say this is probably my first year where, like, my videos were going, like, every five months. And I was I was finding videos. And I think in the early stages, it's really easy because there's so much that people may want to know about you. It's like, who are you? What, like, what do you do every day? Your lifestyle videos. And for me, like, it was always, like, lifestyle, beauty, 
health, wellness. So if I broke all of those down, I can like sort of create like a calendar. And I was like pushing out content all the time, which was a really good thing for me. But yeah, I would say even from then it was the pandemic, people were home. Mm. So I already established, like at that point, I've already had like 10 K followers. And so people being home and, and like having nothing to do, it was like, such good momentum for me. I saw my first million video and then the second one came. Yeah. Like it really was just, you know, just full force after that, I would say. That's fire. So in the past year, you said you're like slowing down basically, or have you fully stopped YouTube? Yeah. So I think it was mostly a choice. Um, I actually went to school for, for science and I was like, I'm going to be a physiotherapist. Like I was there, like Mm. I was in I was working at a hospital like that was my nine to five for about a year and a half Um, I started to not like it and a large part of it was because I would be at work thinking about filming you know like my mindset was like I can't wait to go home and just like put up like a what's it called like a backdrop Mm. (laughs) and it'd be pitch dark outside and I'd be like morning guys (laughs) and I was just faking it till I make it but yeah I just realized like I just did not like that career path for me so I ended up leaving and again it was the perfect time for me to go full-time um so like throughout the pandemic throughout the last three years I was doing that um and then I started to realize that I sort of like I guess you guys are gonna be like the First people to hear this. Damn. I want um, to. Start, exclusive. I yeah. know, right? <laughs> I want to start my own agency. Oh, that's um, amazing! Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Honestly, it hasn't been more than just a thought, but I want to start my own agency. So I figured, like, the best way to learn is always like you know YouTube University, or you just go full force and you try it yourself. But I've noticed that the best way is through networking and through communication. So Mm -hmm. I took a course in communications and I've been in a tech agency and I'm currently in like a B2B agency and I'm like learning everything. So when it's like my time, like I'll just, you know, have the experience. That's (laughs) That's so smart. What's your agency like going to be about? Yeah, so I feel like currently right now I do plan on staying in Toronto, um, but I do want it to sort of merge between Montreal and Toronto creators. Um, and I wanted to stay in the the small creator type of niche because I think there's so much knowledge that a lot of people don't know in this time frame when it comes to not only just like budgeting, but also just like how to read contracts, how to negotiate, how to work with brands, how to reach out to agencies, how to reach out to brands, you know, what to do in terms of sending a brand a contract how to send a brand, um, an invoice. Like there's so many things that I had to learn personally that I didn't think there was like any information for me. Um, And so I find that a lot of these agencies, they like to work with brands that have like over 100K thousand followers. And it really is like no pocket for people who are within the 1K to like 20K range. And I think right now those are the people that a lot of brands are focusing on, the small creators because they they have the reach, they have the engagement, they have the time to to talk to everyone in the comments compared to I've been hearing this so much. I've been hearing this so much. It is like the best time to be a small creator right now. Honest to God. I think anyone who is a small creator, there is still hope because you have the time to talk to people in, in your DMs. You have the time to show up on the app and still be personable and still have like, I don't know, just something about you that people gravitate towards that's just not pretty pictures and just 
yeah. ignored DMs mm. on where you got your person. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I just want to bring it back because you mentioned that you were in you were working at a hospital, going through the science program. Can you just talk about how it was telling your parents or telling people around you that you're gonna drop a um, oh career path <laughs> That's for a good you full time? <laughs> Okay. I, I can um, just imagine my parents like having a tra- traumatic uh, like arrest or something like that. So can you just I talk know. about your reaction it had and how long did it take for the perception to change once you started doing YouTube? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, I will say this right now. My mother is one of those people who are like Facebook reshare everyone. My daughter just posted a video, and it's <laughs> like she's she's that type of person where for for me. Um, it wasn't a surprise that I love to like film myself. I always had like videos of me as a kid, like pretending I had a YouTube channel, actually me and my best friend, um, we had a YouTube channel like years ago too, in like high school. Mm-hmm. And so we made videos already. So it was always like something that I always knew, like for my mother, she would love for my dad. It wasn't necessarily that he didn't accept it, but he would be like, I think you're like posting too much. <laughs> He's like, everyone's going to know your routine. Don't you think that's weird? Or like mm. you're filming in the bathroom? Like, why are you filming like in the bathroom? This is like a personal space. And like, I would have to be like, dad, like you got to get with the times, you know? And he would not understand it. Even now with packages coming to the house, he's like, did you cut up the box? The address? And I'm like- My mom yeah. does that too. My mom that's does That's funny. That I'm like, I cut up the box. But for him, it was always mostly about um, joy and just um, income. It was always like, okay, like, how do you make money from this? And so once I sh- kind of showed him the ropes of that and he kind of saw it and he, and he knew that I wasn't necessarily like going to do anything just because he knew that like, okay, this is something that I can see my my daughter in, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I know sometimes it is really hard like to tell your parents about like a creative outlet. I think there is still a stigma on like the arts. And I personally feel like the arts is just one of those those careers where like you don't see money right away. And I think that's why parents are always so scared. Because if you think about somebody who wants to be an artist, a musician, a producer, like you, you kind of sort of don't see money right away. And it's a lot. Majority of the early phase is just passion. Mm-hmm. And that is what's going to literally like carry you into like conversations. It's like, you don't make money for this. Why are you still doing this? Mm, it's because I love to do it. It's because it's my passion. And eventually that starts to turn into income and then people see it and they believe in you and then boom. <laughs> oh yeah, it's true. It's true. I have a friend who's doing music and it's like so slow in the beginning to just even get noticed. And sometimes the music might be like fire, but then it could be other things like marketing yourself, yeah. which is like fucking you up a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you said you hit like you you had videos that hit a million views and stuff like that. So before making those videos or even after posting them, did, were you aware that like, okay, did you have an idea that this video might hit like this many views? Or was it just like a surprise whenever you hit your first like million view video? Um, I think I was very tactical. I, um, I'm, I'm like already sort of a very like researchy person. So I actually, um, love to kind of see what other creators are doing in terms of like the things that I'm interested in. And during that time, um, I remember one time I like kind of like posted, um, about like sugar wax and like how to make wax. And I think I got a lot of interest from it. And then I decided, okay, like, let me just make a video. And I think a large part of 
that video was not only the time that I posted it in, it was also a pandemic time where people were not able to just mm-hmm. go and get beauty, mm-hmm. you know, they walk into salon and, and get like a pampering routine. More people were now searching how to this, how can I this? Yeah. Like how to you cut your mean? hair and stuff yeah, like how that. How to cut my hair at home for the first yeah. time with like scissors. Like people yeah. were just searching up nonsense. And for me, I leveraged on that. So a large part of my videos were like about like how to this, how to that, how to make sugar scrubs, how to like reduce this. And um, from there, I use platforms like TubeBuddy. I don't know if you guys have, know TubeBuddy. No, what is no it? not me, no. I love telling people about TubeBuddy. I'm like, shit, what am I missing out on? <laughs> okay, well, first of all, as a, I keep doing this because I'm using the light from my... Uh, so as a YouTuber, right, I think you guys should definitely use TubeBuddy. It's a, it's a platform where basically... It's a search engine platform that basically tells you um, what's trending, how to title your videos on YouTube that sees the most engagement, what other people are, are using the types of hashtags that are also seeing engagement um, and really just like all of that in general. So like when I'm posting a YouTube video and let's say I did a, a get ready with me and I see that right now, get ready with me for Halloween, that specific title is trending compared mm. to get ready with me. Mm. I would know to use that video. Mm. So that way when people are searching that title, my video is most likely ranking in the like the first 10. Yeah. And like so those smart. are the types of things. Yeah. yeah. Those are the types of things that I would look for. Yeah. And it, it literally doesn't even stop there. It's also with hashtags. You'll start searching up hashtags. It'll tell you 30 people searched this within the last hour. That's the hashtag that you want to start using. And mm. so I would start doing that and I would see how many viewers I would get on that specific video in like an hour. And I, I just leveraged on that. <laughs> And you really no, noticed the difference like when you started doing that? Oh, 100%. 100%. And, and uh, for me, like, I didn't know how else to, to title it. I think you like when you search things up, you'll see like a title and it only makes sense to title your videos about the topic that you're talking about. Right. But then yeah. also, if you realize some people would actually put hashtags in titles. I don't know if you noticed that. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, sometimes as well. Yeah, that, that also helps. Yeah. So for this, for example, if this is like influencing 101, like I would create that influencing 101, how to be a content creator slash 2022. And I think even the year makes a huge difference because mm-hmm. people want relevant information. Yeah, you know? sure. Yeah. Like when I'm clicking a video and it's made in like 2019, I'm and like, if okay. it's old, I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't care. I want the most relevant information. Yeah, me too. So I do the same thing. Dates and stuff was like always like bonus. Yeah. So, so would you have made your video and then to choose the title you would use to buddy, or would you also using the titles that are now relevant think, okay, maybe I can make this type of video. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So I think I did a little bit of both. Um, once I made my video, I would sort of have an idea of what I wanted to title it. I would go in, check and see like how that, that, uh, sentence is doing. If it was maybe above 70, 80% and I really love the title, I'd keep it. If I realized I was performing like 40%, I'm like, hmm, I don't really know about this. So I would search a title, see what other people are doing. And it would be like one missing word, lifestyle. Mm. I'd put lifestyle in there. All of a sudden it's 80%. And I'm like, all right, that's good. You know what I mean? I'm okay with that. And on the other side of that, I would search up YouTubers that I would watch. And I would see all of their analytics on the side. I would see how their hashtags performed. I would see how their title performed. 
even like Wait, up so to their watch with TubeBuddy, you can That's see this? crazy. You can see everything. You can see analytics. You can see how many views their last 30 videos did. You can see That's how many crazy. followers they did. I'm so mad that I've never heard of this. <laughs> yeah. Is this free or is it, this is too it's good to be free? free. That's true. No let me go download this right now. Part of the, it's a part of the YouTube acceleration. So like I can see within the last week how many followers you got in a week. That's I can insane. see that on your channel and you can yeah. see that on my channel if you have TubeBuddy. I'm getting Okay. <laughs> so when you said like you were tactical about things, you actually were tactical. It wasn't like yeah, it wasn't an accident. It okay, wasn't. I always fair. I always did. I, I felt like there was like no information for these types of things for me. Mm -hmm. So it really took like YouTube to really start searching and really just seeing how like other people were growing. And I would always, always see the high performance videos, which you can also just see for free on YouTube. If you just kind of just change the um sort of like the like the view, you can see yeah. like this person's first video or like their most popular video. And I would say, okay, mm -hmm. like I love greatest videos i love to watch her i watch her in full that was a big thing someone who's engaging i would say let's see what videos that they were doing that did really well and i'd be like okay morning routine does it align with me you know what i mean i always ask myself that question because even if it's monetary in the way if there's a brand that wants to work with me if it doesn't align that i don't care you know mm -hmm. what i mean it always had to have been something that's true to me because like i really am like big on like authenticity and like yeah. coming online and really just like doing things that i actually do in like real life <laughs> yeah no i think that's the best way to go about it because you want like it's your face in front of it at the end of the yeah. day so like you don't exactly. want to be promoting products that yeah it's your personal obviously. brand and like yeah. people like people start to feel when a when a content creator becomes like non authentic like you can feel yeah, it almost mm -hmm. and yeah, everyone says you're like, selling out you're selling out yeah, you always know when they start to sell out. You always know. You can see it. Yeah. And that's what sucks with like the trends and stuff too. Cause you're like, like, are you doing this because like, you know, mm -hmm. this person went viral or does it actually align with you? You know, mm -hmm. like you can tell. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I want to ask about monetization. Like back then when in 2018, had they already changed the like getting monetized thing where you have to get 4,000 hours? I think it was around 2018, no? It was horrible. I think I joined at like the worst time because yeah, you did not need all of that nonsense. You didn't need it. And I remember it, you didn't need to get 4,000 hours, 1,000 subs. No, you didn't need. So right now I think, I think when I started, it was 4,000 watch hours and 1,000 subscribers. That's right. And yeah. I can't remember, is that what it is now still? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same I thing. can't remember what it was that I got first. And I think it was the watch hours because I remember like one that one video did really well. So like you may get the watch hours, but then you're like, oh fuck. Like I, I'm in the opposite yeah. boat. I'm in the opposite opposite boat. Like I'm about to hit 1000 subs, but I'm like only halfway down my watch time. And I'm like, guys, please just watch my videos, you know? <laughs> I know. And I love your videos. And you know what? I'm gonna say this right now. It actually does, it takes time. Everything takes time because even when you get to that stage, you're like, finally, I made it. And like, you get excited because you get the emails and you apply for it, but it takes a minute. I'm not going to mm. lie to you. Everything is always a month delayed. So that's just basically how you get paid. Um, so like, you know, let's say you were to like reach that goal in January, like everything really only starts showing in like end of February to oh March. Yeah. And you have to get that hundred threshold, which for the most part, it would be easy if you got to 4,000 and people are watching your videos. Um, and the really great part of it is the fact that like you are always going to constantly get paid from all of your videos. Yeah. Like so the old ones the one, too. Yeah. That's all cool. the videos that people are watching from three months ago, 
um, you're still getting paid. And I think this is one thing that I think I just want to say too, that I think a lot of people forget. Um, every video that like you're creating right now, like sort of needs to count. Like you have to have that goal that like this video is already making money yeah. because when it eventually makes money, you'll realize that a lot of the videos that you have don't qualify. And that's one thing that I think mm. fucking sucks. Yeah. And you know what it is? It's always the music. The music. It's the, music. It's the, the, the time frame of the video. Anything less than like 10 minutes, you'll realize you cannot monetize and put ads on. Mm. Because the mm. video is too short. So like those are things <laughs> that is just so frustrating that you realize later that like you'll get like other companies don't want to put ads on like videos that are so tiny because if it's like yeah. five minutes and there are ads in five minutes you're like shit it's a five minute video like why are like, no ads? one wants to see that many ads in five minutes five minutes so anything past 10 minutes they'll tell you that you have to go through checks if you're like you yeah, know wears like they they check for that it's so annoying yeah <laughs> Well, it's crazy because a lot of the like a lot of video, a lot of things that are recommended from what I've watched on YouTube, they, they a lot of people say like, oh, make a lot of like, I guess five to ten minute long videos, shoot them all out so that you can like get mo like you know get a lot of views and stuff. But it's like it kind of sucks when when you're making short videos and then they don't even qualify for any ads, you know. So it's kind of yeah. hard to to know really what to do. I agree with that, but keep in mind like the way you do still get paid is through watch hours. So regardless, yeah, true. Even if you can add put ads on those videos if people are watching a five minute video in, in full it's pushing out yeah, you know yeah, you might sure. have ads on it but that's how you're making your money so i still think it's a good thing but i think the longer videos that's where you'll really see like that the like higher percentage of ads going on yeah so let's good. say it's like nine minutes and 30 seconds that doesn't qualify uh, you know what i i still think it's okay they may just be able to add one they'll oh, probably okay, add one and the the beauty of it is that you get to kind of choose where you want your ads mm. yeah which is you like cool. place them yeah like before like um you wouldn't be able to and youtube would do it and they would do it at like the weirdest moments but they're smart about it it'd be like the cliffhanger like yeah today i wanted to do five and all of a sudden there's an ad <laughs> you're like shit five what <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I always see youtubers doing that where it's like literally oh, a cliffhanger all the time it's so annoying but it's like tactical yeah know? it makes you watch have it at the beginning you know you put the ad on the beginning before the video because you know people are like oh my god i gotta sit through this because i at least want to watch like the first 10 seconds of yeah, it but sure yeah i guess that's the beauty of it <laughs> mm. okay so so let's talk about it like i don't know how transparent you want to be but in terms of oh, cpm yeah. I, and i know some niches perform better than others right so i don't know about the beauty how that is i'm sure it's it's a good category right because people are into <laughs> that i guess um so so yeah talk okay. a bit about that yeah, I have a lot to say about that because I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I like to categorize myself as nicheless, and there's a reason for that. But the thing is, is like, I like to say I'm nicheless, but you you know my niche mm. if you see my content. So like, when I when I see creators categorized as like fashion, fashion content creator, um, food influencer automatically I see that as like you're putting yourself in a box yeah like that's my mindset has it's always been like okay so like I can only see food here which is not a bad it's not a bad thing and I think there's still a good um thing about like just sticking to something because you know people are always going to come back for those videos but I think for me like the way I've seen growth on like TikTok and like my socials and even just working with really large like brands I would say was because I was nicheless and I was able to 
kind of do everything. Mm. So I would still get pitched from like a fashion blog, but you don't see me constantly pushing out fashion. Yeah. I would get a food video, like a brand uh, or a restaurant wanting me to come try their food, but I don't just constantly push out food, you know? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I feel like it's just like sort of being nicheless or at least categorizing yourself as like a bigger brand, like lifestyle, beauty, it allows you sort of to tap into like a lot. Mm. Well, it's more like you're your own personal brand. It's not like you are a foodie, you know, it's like you're a personal yeah. brand and it's you, yeah. which yeah. I really like too. Cause I'm always like, I'm, I'm the definition of somebody that cannot choose a niche. Like I literally, I've, I've gone from fitness to beauty, to Amazon, to fi- finance, to like anything, you know? And so yeah. I'm kind of the same way where like, I used to be like, how can I like, how can I like niche down my content? And I actually tried to make like a separate IG once for like a certain niche, but like that just, I did not like it. I really no. like to have my own, like, I don't know. I like to do a mix yeah. of different things. So I really like, I'm happy that you say that. Cause a lot of people will say, focus on just one niche, but I'm glad that you said that. Cause it makes sense that like, you'll be able to get brand deals with not only like restaurants, but anyone mm-hmm. pretty much. And you'll become personable. I literally say this. If you become sort of like, the go-to person for a little bit of everything you know what I mean like someone like we're like oh I love like Sasha's fitness but she also like may pop in like a food routine you know what I mean it's like a food what she ate for breakfast and if it's not she's teaching me how to save and I'm like oh like this is a page I want to go to for everything yeah. like why not you know it's true and like you, sometimes I'll go through my Instagram and I'll clean up like who I'm following because like I just I end up following too many people and I'll unfollow some pages that I'm just like oh, I don't really care and typically it's the pages that are really niched down like if it's a foodie page I'll be like you know what I don't really need to follow this page but the people that I don't unfollow are the influencers that I got to know who I like yeah. built or like I feel like I I know them I feel like I built a relationship with them even though they're not yeah. even talking to me right and um, so I think it's really important to, to like focus on who you actually are and like to speak to your audience and be an actual person so I really like that you said that yeah okay yeah damn so I wanted to touch on it as well quickly and after that we can move on but like at its peak of like your YouTube or like your most viewed video how much were you getting paid because I think a lot of people that want to do YouTube want to know like how it works what's the potential with it and how much will I make if I actually hit a mill on a, on a YouTube video? You know, what's so crazy about that is like, I've definitely fell into the trap of watching one of those videos on YouTube. And yeah. I would literally say they're, they're never really truly accurate. It's, mm. it's difficult. Um, the one thing I can say is that for the first few months after making that video, I was making about 1200. And I was like, I remember like that first video being like, holy crap, like this is crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh my God. But then suddenly you'll realize that like those numbers start to change. All of a sudden it's like 700 and something, 800 and something, 1,300. And you're like, oh my God, this is short months. And that's why I always say that like, you always have to have something else on the side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, as it's much as you might love YouTube, you know what I mean? As much as you might love YouTube, especially at the beginning, always have something on the side because those numbers fluctuate. They change. You no longer see one thousand dollars. You might see eight hundred, and all of a sudden you're like, "Shit, I can't buy, I can't buy Uber Eats." <laughs> That's my red money. <laughs> uh, do, do you know like uh, what video made you the most? Like a single video, what made you the most amount of money, and how much it was? Yeah, it was that that the um, sugar scrub one. The the no the 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 wax one, which still oh, makes yeah. me the most money. Wow. That was the one. Yeah. And that was actually so two years later. 
It's still making yeah. you the most money. It's still making me money. And that's why I say like, it's always really good to like, make sure that you're putting out content that you really love because those are the videos that like you can continue to promote. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Sometimes it has like, sorry, my video just played because I'm like searching up my stuff. But sometimes <laughs> you realize like you can always like leverage in those moments, right? Like for me personally, like I'm not as active as, as I used to, but I just recently worked with, um, uh, what's it called? Like a, a sugar waxing company um, that does like aftercare for waxing. And like, while the product is like the focus, I always, always, always put myself first regardless. Like, yeah, yeah, like this is the product I'm promoting, but if you actually want to learn more about how to actually wax, check out my video. Mm. And those brands have no harm in that as long as you're mentioning the aftercare and the product. Yeah. So I would always still have people be like, I just watched your video. And I'm like, that's exactly how you want it to be. Mm. Leverage on the moments. All those little videos that you guys make and you see them doing really well, pop into the comments, like take one of those comments and like, respond to them. And that's why I love TikTok. Cause I think that's where like, you'll get a lot of people just really just putting themselves on, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're talking you... about like recycling content. Okay, I think that's something that, especially for like micro brands <laughs> or micro influencers, that's uh... something like we don't like implement as, as often as we should. And you, you like mentioned the big brands that's basically they recycle the same content over and over, just repackages all the time. So you can talk about realized... how, your name is Wizard, right? Yeah, it's Charles. Is this, is this your real name? <laughs> no, 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 no. That'd be a fire. <laughs> that'd be fire if it was. That'd be such name. a sick name. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. Okay, cool. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to say, uh, can you just talk about like how someone can like implement those type of strategies as a micro influencer? Um, I think this is actually a really good question, and I also think you're putting me on the spot with this one because <laughs> I do not do this, and it's one of those oh. things. <laughs> One of those things that I think has me where I am on Instagram, and I I used to really care about following on Instagram until I realized that I was in spaces with people who have such larger Instagram following, and I realized it didn't matter to me to grow my channel as I once thought. But I also think that what's difficult about repurposing content is that you have two different audiences. On, On Instagram, I have the audience that are high school friends and Mm. pregnant friends and Mm -hmm. married friends and maybe a splash of people who actually just are for my content and then also people who just like love anything that I do and so I'm working with those type of people versus like a whole new like brand of who I am on TikTok which is why that I focus a lot of my content on TikTok um and I don't necessarily repurpose it because I don't think it'll get the same type of like love in the same way Yep. And I also feel like Instagram just has this like odd stigma. You almost like, are, I'm still nervous. It's so weird. I don't think anyone ever gets over the nerves, girl. Like, I don't think anyone gets over the nerves. <gasps> like, I really we talk don't. about this all the time. Cause like, we're always like, how do we have like no problem? Like, I don't have any problem posting on Twitter. Even no. TikTok, I don't care. YouTube, I don't, I do not care. But every time I post on Instagram, I'm like, like I like my heart is pounding like right before I press send you know yeah and I would post the same video like sometimes when I work with brands it'll be a TikTok video um because that's sort of how I group my rates like depending on how I like would pitch myself um I would most likely pitch for for or sorry I would most likely approve for TikTok and I would never really say yes to like Instagram depending on what I want but if it is a group rate that I would do and I'm posting the same video which is what wizard is it okay for coach you wizard? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> what wizard has mentioned, right? Sometimes there are brands that sort of like 
want you to sort of have a package where like you're posting a YouTube video or a TikTok or and a TikTok, or they'll say, can I get a TikTok and use that TikTok also on Instagram without the watermark? And so sometimes that does happen where I would repurpose the same type of video and I would still get like cringy posting it on Instagram, no mm. problems on TikTok. Yeah. It's really weird. I think it's just because like for uh, maybe maybe it's just for like our age groups like that Instagram was kind of like our actually I guess we all had Facebook too but like I don't know me in high school like everyone had everyone started having Instagram so like I still have people that I don't even speak to on Instagram right like I have yeah. people from like sec three that I I literally don't I think it was in sec three that I got Instagram or sec four and I so I'm literally following these same people that I have not spoken to since high school <laughs> and no. I think that's where the nerves come from because I think most of us or like most people in our age group all had Instagram from such a young age of like people we you know we're not we, we don't even know anymore and um, mm-hmm. it's just hard to do something that's like different for people who know who you were in high school you know it's really hard to like I don't know it's hard to do that it is. And I also wanted to sort of elaborate a little bit more on the question um, that, that he asked, but I think this is sort of the reason why I also really like YouTube because in the amount of time that I've been on this platform, they have changed a lot in terms of like even having YouTube shorts. So they're like, really, I think you see it also, even with reels, like you see people like these, these companies or these, whatever are like trying to like have like the TikTok way yeah. And so um, people are like, are implementing what those viral videos are on Instagram and TikTok and trying to do it on YouTube. But I personally feel like they don't, they're not the same because I don't think people sit and watch shorts. Like, yeah, I, personally- I don't. Yeah. No, but honestly, honestly, like I used to think that, but like, because I, I'm not a big TikTok user just because like, it takes up so much of my time every time I yeah. do it. So, and like, I don't know, I never, for some reason, I never was able to like connect a lot to TikTok. I don't know why. I think it's because back in the day when TikTok first came out, I was like, oh, I don't want to see people dancing, you know? Yeah. And now, like, <laughs> but now when I go on TikTok, I like, I get, like, I learned like a hundred new things every time I go on TikTok, TikTok. And I'm like, I'm like, this is crazy. But like, I spend so much time on it that like, whenever I see the TikTok app, I'm like, I'm just not going to click on it because I know I'm going to go down this like rabbit hole of, I don't even know what. So honestly, like, because I don't use TikTok, I do use YouTube shorts quite often. Oh. Cause like, which it sounds weird but like I go on YouTube shorts a lot because because I don't use TikTok so like you'd be surprised I think it's like an underrated place to post your videos because not a lot of people are posting their videos there and literally you can just repurpose the same TikTok and just stick it onto YouTube and I I have a friend actually I have two friends I have this one friend from my high school who he has 100k subs on YouTube he's never posted a YouTube video he's only posted his TikToks I swear (laughs) to god and he I has would love the, for you to send me that. His he page. Has the, he has the 100k plaque from YouTube for for 100k just from his shorts. The shorts. I swear to God, like I'm not even joking. And I have another friend who she she grew a lot on TikTok, and she just started like she's planning on doing YouTube soon, and so she started posting her shorts uh, or her TikToks on shorts, and she already has like a hundred and something subs from just posting her TikToks onto YouTube shorts. And like, the thing is, though, I'm kind of like, it's interesting to hear that because the same rules for monetization, I feel like apply in terms of like, if you're using a TikTok sound on TikTok, right? This is why I love TikTok because you could still like post the song without it getting yeah. copyright. But if you move that onto YouTube, 
you get copyright. So it's yeah, like, you get copyright. You- it's so annoying. So like I post our podcast reels on on shorts. I just started doing it, but I can't post any of the old ones that we made from from Instagram because of the music. So the that's music. the one thing that's annoying. But just like you need to just have a like a third party app, like or whatever to call it, like CapCut, something like that. Yeah. Just have the video without music beforehand yes. and just post it. And you can put music on it with youtube afterwards so i mean it's annoying to have to like you know post a video three times with different music and have to line up the music every time it's it's so annoying and sometimes i can't even find the same audio from ig on youtube shorts but like trust me like there's a there's a small amount of people looking at youtube shorts that like which makes the it it makes it a lot easier to be found because there's not a lot of people looking at them but i can i can say that i'm one of those people that watch them so good to know that's a good that's a good I've never really I love that that's good I might and it might, and it might bring more audience to your YouTube channel so like even if you're not posting as much on YouTube if you're posting your TikToks on YouTube maybe that will still bring more traffic to your channel even though you're not posting as much you know that's true you're so right regardless yeah yeah very good to know <laughs> Yeah, Sasha's um, gonna start a social media agency. Yeah, literally. Let me join your. Yeah, I'm gonna hire you, girl. You're gonna be the the finance budgeting. <laughs> I'm guess you're gonna handle all of that for me. <laughs> well, but I have one I, more question about YouTube. Just before we we finish yeah. the YouTube section, do you remember how long it took you to get monetized? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> I think like three months. Wow. I told you it was fast for me. I think maybe three to four months, and That's also crazy. I think the large part of it was because of the timing. It was because I was yep. coming off of like, like it was like beginning COVID, people were home. Yep. Like I also had like already like 10 videos in. Like, so I yep. think that literally was, because if I start today, it's it's hard. Yeah, it's I'm hard. still, I'm like a couple months in and I'm like, I'm, I'm not there yet. <laughs> yeah, but you but will not be ending anytime soon. <laughs> yes, good, good, good. Yeah. Good. Um, I wanted to talk a bit about like, did you ever have a team when you were like, doing youtube every week every two weeks did you ever build a team where it was like thumbnail people editors or were you doing it all yourself i was doing it all myself um and i would say that it was definitely a growing learning curve because i started off with my phone which i think a lot of people do until they learn to invest in themselves so um i started off with my phone and i was using like a third-party app like CapCut, but it wasn't CapCut. I think I used like iMovie for iPhone, I think. Yeah, there was an there was um, an <laughs> And when I tell you it was difficult, it was like just pinching things and it was like, oh, it was like the worst. Yeah, you have to, like, cut, like... <laughs> and the phone memory and storage just oh, the worst part. The worst part. Yeah. And I had to like invest in a camera, which was a good timing for me because I, you know, I made probably made my first paycheck and I was like, okay, like this should go towards this. I don't mind. I was working anyway, so it didn't really matter. Um and so, sorry, what was the question again? Did you, oh, have, did you a have a team? Oh, yes. And so, um, no, I did not have a team. I used Canva for my thumbnails. I used the Eraser app if I wanted a thumbnail, but I didn't want like the background of whatever I wanted. You know what I mean? So I kind of was like a very handy person. And I kind of like to go through it too. Like even if I were to tell you all the apps that I use, like, I still use them. You know, I used... Um, Unum at the time, to- at the time it's called UNUM. And that was actually to look oh, at my feed. I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually to look at my feed until I actually put two and two together. And I realized that like, I can do this on the photo, like the camera app. If I create an album right. and I put all so of smart. my pictures that are on my feed in my picture album, 
I would be able to see my feed that way and move things around for yeah, free. So All these apps eventually like want to charge you. And it's just, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, I would use um, Canva for like my thumbnails. I would use like CapCut and InShot to like make my videos for like my reels and stuff. But a large part of my editing, um, investing in myself, I ended up getting, um, what's it called? Final Cut Pro, um, mm. which was like a one-time payment. And I ended up falling in love with that over iMovie. I it's felt a like lot it was better. Like, yeah. A lot of I people th- say th- that. Like a lot of people say iMovie is trash. <laughs> oh my God, it's trash. And you know what's funny? The first day that you start to use Final Cut Pro, you're like, I miss iMovie. Like this is too much mm. for me. More complicated, I guess. Like, yeah, because it's just, iMovie is so simple that you can't do anything but cut and crop. Basically. Yeah, literally. <laughs> you can't even do nothing. Maybe you can like, do that's like great for thing. beginners. <laughs> it really is. But then when you learn Final Cut Pro, I think that's where I got so excited in, in editing. And I started to hear people say like, I love how you edit your videos. And it was because I was clicking through everything. I was using overlays. I was using different types of fonts because the font category that they give you was like immaculate. I was using transitions the sounds that they give you, you know what I mean? Everything was just so much easier to like, and fun Mm. that I loved editing. And like, that's how I made like editing, like super, super fun for me. Um, And then what else? Pinterest for inspiration. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people do that now. Yeah. And then honestly, that's really it in terms of like apps that I use that are like super like on my phone and whatnot, but but so you but basically yeah. done everything yourself since day one. Like you've never hired. I never hired. I did all the editing myself. Um, all, all of that. I did it all, and I and I truly enjoyed it. Um, but like, it's different because I think um, not even really to like digress or whatever. But I think in terms of like when you're working with brands, um, a lot of the times um, you realize that like nothing is like super final. So you'll Mm -hmm. always find yourself sometimes like going back and editing. And that's kind of where you kind of wish you had a team because you're just like, oh, like Mm -hmm. they don't like that. Yeah. They're like, oh, and that's why in the contract, in my contracts, I always say like max two edits because Mm, that's, you know, like I cannot like this. Sometimes it's ridiculous. Sometimes, you know what, for a large amount of time, I can hit it on the nail and they have, I have no edits, maybe two edits. And the, the edits is like, oh, you pronounced it like wrong, you know, like the name of the product. Oh my God. And so like, if you do a voiceover, it's, it is the worst. And that is why Mm. I try to talk in real time because if I have to do it in real time, it's either I do the whole video over and that sucks even worse. Yeah. Or I can just change the audio on voice note and I can just redo it because you can hear the difference if it's a different day, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I would say that's when like, I wish I would have a team because there are some brands that are like, hey, we, we love this video, but like, I wish you closed the door. And I'm like, ah, and you want me to redo, you have to redo everything. Yeah. That's crazy. It's that's ridiculous. Funny. Yeah. No, but like I've gone through similar, similar situations, not with brands or anything yet. We'll, we'll see about yeah. that soon, hopefully. But, um, I've had situations where like, I, I, for example, I was editing a video where I had to put like one clip from my camera onto a, a screen recording from my computer. And basically I cut the clips from my camera before cutting the clips. Like I basically, I should have just done them together so that they mm-hmm. match up. But then I ended up do, having to do them completely separately, which took me like three hours to put the clips together. Anyways, I just did it really wow. stupidly, but it's like, like not to explain technically how to how to do all of that but it's just like there's little things like that with editing that if you make one little mistake and have to redo everything it can take you literally hours for one video 
and it's crazy like at that point I was like oh my god like is YouTube even worth it in my yeah. head I, was like, is it worth- I think I remember that actually I think I remember you posting that and it's honestly it's, it's not even that too but it's also like the more videos you make you realize like oh crap like I don't even feel like I have enough storage and then you find yourself like investing in things like you know, like I have a camera here, but I also have like one of these things where it's like easy for me to like plug in my phone or plug into to like just transfer files. I have like a, a large USB so that there's like yeah. more space on my computer to just. Yeah, it's like you need a camera, then you need a mic, then you need an SD card, then you need like a, <sighs> a cord for your SD card. Like there's just so many things that you need when it comes to any type of like job in the technology yeah. or like any type of content creation. It's crazy. Like there's so much. Although yeah. I guess with like reels, it's so easy because you just need an iPhone and CapCut basically. <laughs> but then you start to realize when people are like, post four pictures of things and you're like, oh God, all I have is videos. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't take pictures of anything anymore. But I guess like that's where I would say like, I wish I sort of like, I guess had a team where I can just yeah. hand, the, hand the camera over and they they make the edits. And I've been pitched that before. I've been pitched by people like, you know, like I would love to edit, but I think that it's just when you can edit your own videos, there's like a personality. I was going to say, it's less personal. People, yeah, like other people can't catch it, really. Yeah. They might think these moments are like funny moments, but I think it's like the way you edit that makes a video like really just yeah. like yourself. And like we've worked with people who were going to be making our reels and stuff or like like we've worked with, we've tried to work with people, people from Fiverr. Oh. And like, wait, is my thing glitching? No, no. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Okay. Anyways, we've tried to work with people from like Fiverr, for example, to help us make reels and like YouTube or not even the YouTube videos, but just like reels. And I've, I've tried to hire people for my, like to help me with YouTube. And honestly, like sometimes it's just like, they don't understand what you want. And it's like, you spend more time writing out a huge paragraph, explaining them what to do than if you just actually did it yourself. So I think outsourcing is, it, it is important when it, when you're like, when your business gets to a certain point, I guess, because at some point you just won't have enough time to keep like creating mm-hmm. at a rate that you should be. So I think it could, it could be helpful, but it's like, it's really hard to give away those tasks because we want them to be the way that we want them to be. Right. So yeah, we've had a horrible situations with, with people from Fiverr that just, they couldn't like, we were like, please just do it exactly like this. And yeah. they, do it. <laughs> they don't get it. Yeah. It it's happens. so hard. Like, it's just, it's more work that I, way. I sent the guy a reel of like, I told him, in caps like please do exactly this like just the <laughs> same thing just this is exactly what we want and he sends back like a completely different thing and that with like commas and like there's like emojis, emojis behind everywhere. the text oh. and i was oh. like oh. People like think that's how people like to watch videos but it's really not yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't know nah. why and then just last thing chris was like he's like one last time i'm gonna tell you like can you please just copy this exact video oh yeah i can't take these people but like it was like four (laughs) times going back and forth with them of like saying please exactly and it's like less work for them because what we're asking for is literally minimal yeah we're asking him like like, stop doing so much like please do less (laughs) yeah you're doing extra shit and it's like and then literally chris is like one last time please do it like this and the guy the guy literally cancels the order and he's like good luck oh yeah he he quit yeah he quit we need to get rid of people exactly i wanted to ask just a quick technical question do you keep all of your original files like after that or before the edit or no (laughs) (laughs) it would be impossible to do that chris (laughs) okay that's what i that's what i was thinking because i delete everything like once you know i 
I delete everything. Um, and I'm not going to lie to you. I, there's two reasons why I delete everything. One for space. Sometimes I'm just like, okay, yeah. I need to clear it on my computer, but it can stay onto my camera until I actually just need space to delete things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Two or my USB. Like I kind of always transfer files. So it's not necessarily the whole video I'm saving. I'm just the individual files I'll save. Two, um, I kind of like the idea that like YouTube like has this platform where I can like go back and watch a video and download it anyways. Yeah, I was going to say you so can sometimes I'm just like, yeah, pardon? You can, I was going to say, yeah, you can download them. You can download the video. So sometimes I'm just like, okay, maybe I'm deleting this whole like Toronto vlog, but I also know that I can go back and watch it again on YouTube and it won't go away and I can mm -hmm. download it. Yeah. And I've never had an instance where like, I'm like, oh shoot, I needed that video from like two years ago. Yeah. The original. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know if we got into it, but like, what was the reason why you stopped or you did? did we get into that? Yeah. No, not, not fully. No. Yeah. So, so what happened or like, was it because of the team? Was it, you just got like tired of it? I know YouTube is hard. I started the episode with that, but like what happened? Yeah. I would say there's a lot of factors. One, I think I really enjoyed the short videos that I was mm -hmm. creating. I thought it was just, easier i didn't have to hop online and worry about like you know editing i could do all that stuff on my phone i realized how like effortless it was too because i find those type of effortless videos always did better than the ones that you sat down for hours like editing to make it all like yeah. you know go you know what i mean like i also found that and then i think as i kind of got gotten more like submerged into this like whole like youtube content creation day in the life i realized that like it's very like routined to a point where sometimes like you sort of want to keep things to like yourself and everything I post, I clearly want it to be seen, you know? So I've never posted something and be like, Oh, like people are all in my business. Like, I just think it's like at that point, like why post it? Yeah. But I think I've learned to like have like the beauty of living in the moment. And this was probably like one of the first years that I think I've done so much that I did not record. And like, I don't regret any of it, any of it. Mm. Like, I did so much this summer. Like I went to Portugal and that was the only thing I was that about I to say actually, Portugal. Yeah, I actually recorded Portugal. Um, and that was the one thing that I told myself I would do. But everything else, I realized like how much I enjoyed living in the moment and how much I was missing from being like, yeah, this the whole time. Like, yes, I'm capturing everything and I'm editing it and I am watching it in real life. But like, I'm not gonna lie to you. Majority of the times I was always like, da -da 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 -da. yeah, you're working, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's still very fun, but I realized like, I can do that still on TikTok. It's more efficient, faster, quicker. Yeah. And I didn't have to like worry about just like people watching videos. And mm -hmm. because I'm not going to lie to you, this summer, I barely sat and watched a lot of my bigger content creators. I barely watched them. And I realized them as well, like they were barely posting. They were yeah. all on TikTok. It's true. There's a big like there's a big transition to short form yeah. content. But I also noticed that TikTok is introducing 10 minute long videos. And I think Instagram, too, they have like one minute long stories. So yeah. I don't think short I don't think long term long form content is going anywhere. I still think mm -hmm. that it's going to be a big thing. I hope at least. <laughs> um, I know. I know. I do, too. But but what do you think is like the best benefit of TikTok? Like how like how like what's your TikTok uh, or like how successful do you think your TikTok has been? Um, since you started posting on TikTok? Um, I would definitely say it was easier to grow before than it is now. Um, and I think a large part of that is because of how accessible it has been to everybody. People 
who didn't think they had the confidence, the courage to make videos are now making it now, are making it now. And even the people who were used, they used to be the, you know, your prime watchers, somebody who would always be in your comments and watching those same people are seeing how fun and easy it is to do that. They are now creating their own content. So I think Mm -hmm. there's like a beauty to it where people who, you know, want to talk about something can hop online, no makeup, you know, effortless, create content. And that video, even if their first video can still do numbers. I think that is the reason why I think I really like TikTok. And I think like, I think even Chris, you mentioned something about, about music. And I think it's like the the platform in itself, people are seeing it as a, a marketing tool, which is a really good thing. But I think people are also seeing it as like, the end all tell all like mm. in order for you to succeed it's you have to be on tiktok oh you want this song to go blow up you have to make a dance challenge on tiktok yeah. Yeah. like i have not heard of anything creative in like the last few months aside from you have to just be on tiktok yeah <laughs> it's so true it's so true <laughs> it's like yeah. okay but like there's other ways but no one cares yeah. anymore yeah but like, what advice would you have for that, for that, my friend, like his, his music is actually very good. He's reduces everything. He makes fire music, but it's just the visibility, like his social media mm-hmm. presence is not as strong as it should be. So where should he go? Like if he was your client, let's say. And... If he was, I guess, yeah, that's a really good question. I think for the most part, I would say the best way you can sort of have people see that your music not only can like connect with them or for example if you were like a candle company or something like that is to have your own content for yourself and hype yourself up there's nothing like sort of plugging in your content or your music or your sound or your aesthetic in like what's going on right now and I see that happen a lot where for example there may be like a trend and you're you're pushing out your music under that sound all the time Mm-hmm. you're talking all the time you're speaking you're pushing your music under that sound you're hopping online and you're like advocating for yourself and that might be annoying to some people but I think a lot of people are not are forgetting how powerful it is to sort of speak for yourself and like yeah. confident in how you do that you know what mm-hmm. I mean I think I think a lot of times like we look at marketing and we see it as a tool and I think it is still a great tool but I think it really like it shouldn't always just be like tactical if you want mm-hmm. to grow push your content out there advocate for yourself you know hop online tell people about the music connect it to trends and i think that is like the best way outside of only like working with influencers on tiktok or you know what i mean like pushing it yeah. that way yeah 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 that's really good advice um let's talk a bit about the like your potential agency that you were that you were mentioning so this would basically be something that you would want to create to help like influencers grow like basically the scenario that you just gave to chris right yeah so mm-hmm. I, I i see it as that and i see it as a platform where even people who um have a small business and they want to connect with influencers i think um it is a really good way because i as i said like the future of of what this is right now are small content creators because of how yeah. much they can push out, how yeah. willing they are to push out. They are also the the demographic that are that is willing to do things for free. And mm-hmm. I always like to say that like before free, don't look at that as like a bad thing because I did a lot of things for free, and all that did for me was create a resume. 
Yeah, for sure. Talk I think to you a about lot it. of people. Make- a lot of people forget that. I have a lot of people like, "Hey, girl, like, how do you get invited to these? Like, or how did you like do this? Because like I've been doing this for so long, and they're not like paying me. The only time that I would like in the early stages, the only time that I would like say like, "Hey, um." you know, I've worked with you for a second time. Like I would advocate and pitch for myself. Like, you know, this is the second time I've worked for you. This, this is how this video did and these numbers and this turnover and da 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 the ROI. This is like how this did. Um, this is like my proposal and this is how I'm pitching myself. And if they mm-hmm. don't want to work with me, then I would end that contract right there. But I think it's still built a resume. And once you start working with larger brands and you're posting them on their social and you're doing something called white label content creating, which is what I actually moved into for the last year and a half. And I love it. I love it. And if you, if you, I don't, I know, I don't know if you guys know what white label content creating is. I absolutely love it. And I honestly think it's the future. And I talk about it all the time. And I I talked about it in in another podcast. And I was basically saying how powerful like user generated content is. And that is when you can like show up on an app and like speak about a product and it's authentic, it's personable. But a lot of the times brands are using that type of form to see a return in investment. So for example, I worked with Laneige on like a six month type of contract Mm -hmm. and I created a bundle of videos for them. And so what that looked like was that I would sort of create a plan for them where I would say, okay, this month, this Halloween, how can I talk about Laneige? and theme it to Halloween. How can I talk about Laneige and theme it to Christmas? I would create six videos, send it to them. Then we would develop a rate together and all of those videos were for them. I, I just sat back. I didn't have to post anything. Yeah, I was gonna ask, so you don't post these on your own channel or on your own I pages? Don't post it. I don't post it and that's where I saw the most money because wow. at that point, once that brand approves that and they like that video, that's where the ads come in. That's where it, all of a sudden they want to post it on their, their TikTok. They want to post it on their um, Instagram. And that's where I can negotiate how long they can use my, my video for. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, this video can be used for ads for like four months. So for example, when I worked with uh, Hudson Bay, you know, you would see sort of like when you're swiping, you would sort of see like my video there. Those are all ads that they have to pay me for weekly um, outside of the video that they paid me for yeah, that's mm. crazy. Literally. And there's so much things that people don't know about because they think you need to have like a thousand follow a hundred thousand followers and like a pretty aesthetic feed when like there's so much to content creating that like is not just posting on Instagram and posting on TikTok. You can yeah. literally can we, have about, a- can we talk about that? Because I think a lot of people will get intimidated by the by the Bay or HM. But yeah. uh, I think that at least on my personal IG, I see a lot of people having paid by or sponsored by on these uh, real type of videos. Can you talk about Mm -hmm. how someone could approach these brands or what is the checklist that you need to have before presenting themselves or presenting a pitch to these type of companies? Yeah. Um, So for me personally, I do not pitch anymore, but uh, when I did pitch, I would, it was very chaotic. I would sort of do a lot of copy and pasting and like changing the name because really and truly, like, no, no other information was changing aside from the brand's name, right? Because, like, you know, you'd put your sort of demographics, you'd talk about who you are as a creator. So nothing was changing except for the name. And I would basically say, like, you know, my name's Leah. I'm a content creator um, from Montreal or whatever. I live in Toronto. I sort of changed that. I now just say, like, a Canadian creator or a Toronto creator. Um, and, you know, I love to tag something that they are doing, whether that be, like, a, an initiative 
something that they, a product that they just recently launched. And I can talk about how much I love this product. So they know that I'm somebody that like purchases this brand mm -hmm. and it's not just, I'm just, yeah, like I'm familiar with what they do. And um, this is where I, the freeness comes in because another way where I realized what I was working with brands a lot is because I would also create content around that brand that I can always plug that in with a hyperlink. So if you really want to see what I can, I, what I do and how I've talked about your brand through my videos, I would hyperlink that video. Mm -hmm. And majority of the times I was getting an email back and they were saying, we would love to work with you on this campaign. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was coming like that. And the minute you start to like, sort of reach out to these brands and create that, those brands start following you back. They're, they're kind of looking at your content. And then the more other opportunities that are paid that you see on Instagram that are hashtag ads, I see when these brands are looking at, at these type of contents because there's, there's like social platforms and, and this, this is something I've learned in PR as well. There's like social platforms where you can search up an influencer and you can see all the brands that this person has worked for. So that's why it's so important to like always hashtag ad to always like tell people with the brands that they're working with because other brands are following you and they're seeing that and that's they know, like, okay, you're up, you're, you're quality, your content is of quality. Yeah. And like, you've been approved to work with these other brands. So that means your experience, you have a resume what, and whatnot. Exactly. That's exactly. so smart. So would you say yeah. someone who's like growing and has, you know, accumulated quite a bit of a following should be pitching themselves to brands that they want to work with? Awesome. I think they should. I do, especially right now. It's a quiet period where you're not hearing anything from anybody. I would say I'm a. I've always advocate for yourself. Create sort of like this this paragraph, um, explaining who you are, and you know you might not get a, a message back. You can even go as far as making a media kit, which I think sometimes can be a, a waste of time. And and I mentioned this in actually one of my my videos before, and I and I always say that like. A media kit is a really good tool when a brand is asking for a media kit. But when you send a media kit to, to a brand, you're always sort of limiting yourself at what that is. Mm -hmm. So for example, like you might say, I'm trying to think about like the most basic thing. Like, let's just say it was like, you would charge $20 to promote this. Okay. This is what I'm approaching a brand with. I'm like, I will, you know, make a TikTok for you for $20 to promote this video. i uh, sorry to promote this, this water bottle. And so the brand is looking at this, they see this number and they say, yeah, let's go with her because we were just trying to fight for this influencer and trying to pay her $500 to do the same thing. Yeah. Why do that when I can work with a brand and literally ask them this one simple question, which I kid you not, people are not doing. And it's literally asking, what is your budget? Mm -hmm. I never let a brand ask me what my budget is first. Did if you? they want to reach out to me, I ask them, how much are you willing to pay me? And when I see what their cap is, I'm going to cap. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cap. You said 500, you said 800 for this, this TikTok. That is my rate. Mm -hmm. but I will never do less because the minute you continue to, to go up, you'll realize like, Oh, like I just did this video for $800 or a thousand dollar a bundle. Like why would I accept like a hundred dollars? Yeah. Most people you tend know? to undersell, undersell themselves in the beginning when they don't have much experience. So yes, that's why I say build your resume, negotiate as much as you can, because trust me, there's always someone accepting something lower than you and something higher than you. And that's why when you pitch yourself, always show examples of the work that you've done, speak highly of the brand and actually use the brand because it shows when you don't use the brand. 
for sure oh yeah yeah like we were saying before you can always tell when they're like selling their souls <laughs> yeah and it's so obvious yeah but uh I have a question like where can someone start to look for brands like like because like do you just mention brand like do you just uh, reach out to brand brands that you use or like can you try to figure out where to find brands like what's a what's a starting point for somebody that just has no idea where like who to message okay <laughs> this is so funny this is why I really truly feel like I've learned so much in like the last like two years that I feel like the the key is actually not even the brand and yes there are brands that will reach out to me or reach out to other content creators but the key is actually the agency okay the key is the agency because they're the ones that have clients that are ranging from personal finance, to food, to fashion, to beauty, that when you pitch to the agency and you tell them who you are, they then look at their clients and you are now in a box to be filled in majority of work that they are doing in campaigns. Mm -hmm. And they then say, this is what's happening. When I look at the people that, um, or the agency that pitch me, it's always the same agencies. And that's because I probably worked with them on like a Starbucks thing that now they're circling back and they're like, this is a new campaign we're doing. We'd love to work with you. Yeah. That is the only people that pitch me are agencies. It's never the specific brand. So it might be me posting this water bottle, which is probably like, let's just say the most popular water bottle in the world, but it's not actually the, the water bottle brand that's reaching out to me. It's the agency behind it that looks for mm. influencers to promote this water bottle. So brands so basically hire like agencies to do this work in the background for them, I guess. Exactly. So when you look at people like Fenty Beauty, like Fenty Beauty or Skims, they actually might reach out to, to content creators. If they don't, it's always an agency that works with the client Fenty Beauty, mm -hmm. the client Skims that, you know, they have within their budget, um, I don't know, $10,000 to work with influencers and they have to they have to sort of split that money up on whoever, however they want. Do you know what I mean? Like whoever they want. So that's why I say like the agencies are literally like the pudding. And that's how I majority of the times work with a large portion of these brands. Yeah, that's amazing advice. Where, where do you find the agencies though? <laughs> yeah, I know it's crazy. It's really, really crazy. But I'm like, I never even heard of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's it's just research. If working in PR, you kind of know about a lot of the influencer agencies in like Toronto and um, in Montreal, because a lot of them actually have a house in Montreal and Toronto. So like soy agencies, two milk, one sugar, um, Zach communications, huge in Montreal. And that is like a lifestyle beauty. You'll see a lot of content creators in Montreal and Toronto work with them. And also too, when you see hashtag paid, you'll see sort of the agency sort of maybe tagged mm. in the comments. Okay. Every time I go to an event, I'm always tagging the agency because that not only shows them that like, I'm giving them coverage of this event that they kindly invited me to, but they'll know to invite me to another event because it's exposure. Yeah, They're exactly. getting exposure. And that's literally all they want is exposure. That's so smart. I feel like I learned so much already. That's <laughs> well, what I was yeah. about to say. Like, I feel like definitely the agency thing you're about to do is something just from this one conversation I really see you doing. And I feel like yeah, you have a lot too. of value to provide because... If you're, I, do you see yourself doing or going back to YouTube at any point, or is that like done with? No, I do, I do, I do. I think it's yeah. just more, just like, just changing the way I show up on 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 YouTube. 
Because, mm. you know, like technically, like I posted two weeks ago, two months ago, four months ago, but it's not the content I used to make. But yeah. I still see myself on there. I just don't know how consistently and the type of content I want to create. No, but like just from this conversation, I definitely see you as someone who can have that social media agency thing and help yeah, you i'm like girl like, you have so much value to give and like yeah that's the gap in the market and i think mm-hmm. uh especially for a lot of uh micro influencers don't think there's a lot of uh guidance i think a lot of people will just copy paste what the big influencers do and yeah. there's a lot of money left on the table especially you know like people are saying like facebook is doing a comeback in terms of like facebook groups etc so there's a lot of different platforms to be on and mm-hmm. I'm always one to say, don't make money on one platform because in case that platform falls apart, <laughs> you don't have a, a platform to make money on. So I think there's a Listen, lot of Listen, Sasha tweets that all the time. <laughs> make sure you have, if Sasha can say one thing on Twitter, make sure you have multiple sources of income. <laughs> uh, I literally tweet that like once a month. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. Literally, the only app that doesn't make me money personally is is Twitter. But I don't even know if Twitter makes anybody in that, uh, money. I mean, in terms of like, in terms of like, uh, like in terms of creating content, not really. But it's like I was able to get so many clients from Twitter, and like mm. the majority of my watch or like my my viewers from for my YouTube channel come from Twitter. So I don't know. I think it depends on the niche that you're in. But I think being in like a finance making money niche is mm-hmm. really, really, really powerful on Twitter because there's a big niche for that. But mm-hmm. a lot of people who like focus on video creation, it's not as popular on Twitter. But I have seen a lot of people like posting their TikToks on Twitter too, you know? Mm-hmm. And those yeah. that can sometimes work too. I think it, I think mm-hmm. you just have to try out all social medias and see what works for you. But for me, yeah. Twitter has been like the best social media I've ever been on, you know? Yeah, I do too. I agree. That's really good. I love that for you. <laughs> YouTube coming next, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> well, um, guys, did you have any other questions for earlier? Uh, I think we covered a lot. I, think I need to go yeah. back and like and and take some notes. Talks, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, wow, this was a far episode. I'm, and I'm always, honestly, I'm always here to help because, you know, with the capacity that I do have, like sometimes I'm able to like peek into stuff and like I actually work on another a podcast it's called the gifted gab um and then they recently did a campaign so what i used to do for them which i don't even have the capacity to anymore is i actually used to do what that that guy from what is it fiverr was doing (laughs) i used to to crop and edit um their like youtube videos to make reels and they saw really good numbers with that but also to like pitching to yourself like is like really important so like for you guys i don't know how many um podcasts there are in montreal but there's a lot of there's a lot of journalists who are willing to talk about the things that you guys talk about. And like they're always on Twitter. And that's kind of how I find sort of like my work to like my work life nine to five. That's kind of how I find like those type of journalists that I can like pitch clients to. Like this has nothing to do with content creation, yeah. but more or towards like what you guys can do right now to sort of like open the door for like other millennials and other people to sort of watch you guys' podcasts. Cause people are not taking advantage of that. Sasha, if you're on, on you're on Twitter and you you see like Montreal journalists that talk about personal finance or talk about budgeting or talk about saving or even just the fact that you guys are you know you guys are all like multi talented here. There's there's even like you guys have like a POC here. Like there's so much. Sorry to put you under the spot, but there's just you know there's just there's so much that you guys can can do. Like you can like reach out to them 
and just say like, hi, like my name is, I know you guys have like a group name, but you can individually pitch it to yourself. And you can say like, we talk about these topics. Mm-hmm. I would love to like come to CTV. Like, I don't know, what is it? Like, what's the Montreal news called again? Oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. CTV, no? Yeah, we have no, CTV. No, no, wait. Uh... Global news, yeah, global. Because I know those are like Canadian. So I'm talking about like smaller stuff, you know? But you can like literally pitch to those journalists and you can like go on one of their segments because that's actually what we did at like one of the, what's it called? One of the podcasts that we had in like Toronto. They ended that's up reaching crazy. out to somebody from from CTV and they said like, you know, we're two, um, one guy's Iranian and one is Jamaican. And uh, they said we're their, you know, their sort of their background and their culture, whatever. They said that they talk about industry news. So like people who are doing like things that are transformational and the segment ended up on CTV. And That's even crazy. if it was That's just four, even if it was like four minutes, it was a personal interview. The guy came on, um, one of the guys, because one of my friends, Andre, he does it. He came on, he pitched himself and he said, you know, this is where we talk about small businesses in like the city who are like doing this and da da da. And they saw numbers from that. Yeah, that's insane. I would have never ever like even thought of doing that. Yeah, that's a and now I'm like, holy shit, that's an amazing idea because imagine like the reach that you can build from just being on the news. (laughs) Like that's crazy. Yeah. It's so true. And you guys are like all in like sort of like the age gap where like the people you want to reach are like us, you know, like you want to reach us. And like maybe we're not news watchers. But like those types of news segments, they end up turning into like news like that you can search up. And then yeah. all of a sudden your name is like, you know what I mean? Like it really push yourself, push it. Yeah, that's crazy. We need to we need to look into that, guys. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. And like I, I just recently started this new platform. So like I'm honestly, like, I'm a big help. If there's anything I can like literally help you guys with, like I would do it, even if it means like finding journalists, because I know that's hard. But yeah, the best way is to look at like these, these platforms like CTV news, and you can see the type of like uh, journalists and say like, oh, this journalist talked about personal finance and their email is right there and you can that's email so them. That's so smart. Yeah, you can be, be like, far. I've seen you've done this in the past, da, da, da. Oh, yeah. that's so smart. I've seen you've done this wow, in the that's past. That's the gem of the episode. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Like, you're sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> I talk about this or you talked, the other day you talked about how millennials can have three sources of income in like 2022. I actually recently talked about this on my podcast called blah, blah, whatever. And here's a link of this video. And, and you know what I mean? People were in the comments talking about all of these things. This is what like me and my little gang can talk about. Mm. We would love to be on your show. Genius. That'd be fun. Yeah. Get the exposure. I'm telling you, that's where it's in right now. Yeah, that's Shit, imagine us to... on CDV and Google. Yeah, that'd be crazy. <laughs> that'd be I'm like... <laughs> And it's that's possible. Crazy. Yeah, like I believe day, it. I believe it. The other day, this guy was this little kid was selling what's it called lemonade, and they had him on the show just because he talked about the fact that he's eight years old making money. Like they that's don't care. So Any impression you they want on they want on yeah, TV. For sure. You for know sure. what? I've I've been thinking about it. It's like I don't think people think it's hard to contact these people, but it's actually very easy because not a lot of people are doing it. It's like. No. Even the people no. that should be doing it aren't doing it. Like us, we haven't done, done it. And like Sasha no. should be pitching herself to brands and she still hasn't done it. So it's like... Yeah, we, well, we've been saying that for like six months now. But. I know. We've been <laughs> saying, Sasha, come on. Six months. Oh, they're calling you out. Yeah, yeah like, let's go. <laughs> but... Uh, All right. Are you talking like brands? Like sometimes, but my niche is not like that much 
it's not so many like products that's the thing like my niche is not really in that direction but like in terms of our podcast like that's something we need to work on is like trying to get some type of something for our podcast you know so that's what we're going to be working on it's just that I'm like I don't know why I'm intimidated because our podcast still doesn't have like that many views I appreciate everyone that watches but you know it's 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 like making its way up but like I I don't know I feel and I feel like I'm not confident enough in terms of my numbers even the podcast numbers and everything that's why I'm like hesitant but Chris is right like there's so many people that are looking for like you were saying before micro influencers mm-hmm. or like small people that still don't have that much clout yet and uh like yeah. so you just have to be confident I guess and like this is I give it this is me giving advice to myself right yeah no like sometimes you, you have to give yourself advice yeah you do and like apply it and take it and there's a lot of like grants in in Montreal that you guys can apply for in terms of like equipment you know what I mean like like yeah like push yourself to like get those do you want to be the manager of like the auntie (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you this is what an agency would be like for me honestly Mm. god I would like literally we need her (laughs) yeah well let's let's make it official be your first unofficial client yeah if I honestly I would send it I I would send it your way uh, if I see anything because there are a lot of like non-for-profits that are willing to give like people a certain amount of like you know like money to like invest in like something that that is like those are the things that you guys have and it's always like a fiscal cycle so like now it's probably October so you're not going to hear anything but maybe like January Mm -hmm. or like August where people are back to school that's where like people are looking for you know people who are are willing to do things like this and they'll give them that type of grant so you can invest in equipment and Maybe studio finding a studio. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Investing your business, everything. Damn. Fire. Well, that one final yeah. question well, for you. It's a question that go. we ask to everyone. But, um, <laughs> Charles, do you want to go? No, you can go. I already know the answer to the. I know the answer. So, have you ever heard of the Jay Z question? The Jay Z question? No. Okay. So, you would. Would you rather would you rather take 500k cash or have dinner with Jay-Z? And, and why? <gasps> 500k cash or dinner with Jay-Z? Yeah. Have you you never heard oh, this God. question before? No, why? That sounds so crazy. No, I haven't. It's like a trending it's a trending. Yeah, it was trending. trending. It's not trending recently, but we're bringing it back. It, it will forever be trending. <laughs> okay, so here here's the thing, right? I'm going to justify both of my answers and then I'm going to give you an answer. Sounds mm. good. Okay, uh, 500k you said 500k? Yeah. 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 I feel I feel like I'm really I'm good with money that I think 500k could be good in terms of like making my money make money. Mm. so i feel like i could do that but then with jay-z right i think like he is a mogul but i also think that one conversation can like open up doors Mm. so like if i I were if i were to tell him like this is something i want to work on he may want to invest in me and the blessing can still happen but i'm gonna still be broke Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it's a hard question, I guess. Five hundred k, you still have to go back to work tomorrow. That's that's why I tell people. Well, meeting meeting yeah, with Jay-Z, you still have to go back to work. Yeah, but how oh, do you? There's the exit plan, though. There's the exit plan because like, that's you, what I said. How do, you, how do you guarantee that the conversation with Jay Z is even gonna go anywhere? Also, yeah, but, you didn't know. But that's you have to make also, it go somewhere. 
so but you see, I, I tell people he's I'm not like, trying to talk. He's trying. He's just trying to eat his pizza. You know, he's not like <laughs> yeah. trying to talk about. He's so he eats steak only. You're what so you right. Because why would he want to talk to little old me? Like, what is he like? <laughs> is he? No, I'm taking the money. <laughs> I'm taking the money. I'm taking the money. That is what I'm doing. <laughs> oh my god, that is so funny. I'm taking the money because you know you're so right. Jay Z is so busy. Yeah, he's so busy. And like you, honestly, might get, you might get lucky, and like he'll like you, and you know then he'll invest in you. Like if you, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a fifty-fifty chance, you know. Like yeah. he might, like you yeah. might invest in you, might change your life. But like the five hundred k is like it's a solid way. To, yeah, to like Eminem like said, like one shot, one opportunity. Like for me, yeah, not everybody can handle five hundred thousand dollars. You know, mm, that's why. Yeah. Like, that's yeah, because a lot of people that win the lottery, they end up wasting all of the money quick. It. So you're so excited. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I'm going with the five hundred. So. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, um, we're gonna end the episode here. So, Ali, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so episode. much for all the gems. I'm taking notes. I'm gonna go take notes. <laughs> <laughs> it was so lovely to meet all of you guys as well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, uh, thank you for watching and subscribing to Untold Gems, and we will see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>